Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Ellen Pompeo. Welcome to Tell Me. Today's guest is Cindy Crawford, who needs no introduction. Supermodel, fashion icon, television personality, and a businesswoman. Cindy and I are friends, and we do the Meaningful Beauty campaign together, and we hang out and drink tequila occasionally. We had a great conversation, and I hope you all enjoy it. So my guest today is Cindy Crawford, who I love and work with, and I'm lucky enough to be sitting across from her right now. She said we can talk about everything. Everything, anything, (laughs) and um, yeah, it's nice to be in person. I know, it It is. It really is nice to be in person. So you started Meaningful Beauty so long ago, before really anybody was doing it. I mean, as far as supermodels, no one was doing businesses, right? Were they? You were really the first one. I mean, I don't want to discredit someone who was doing something that I don't know about. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to model my career on hers. What gave you the idea to start a business? Like, honestly, no one was really doing that. I was a fan of all of you women. You, Helena, Christy, Naomi. There's never been another crew like it. Let me just say that. Let me just get that out there. (laughs) But uh, no one was really doing it. And like, you really just came out of the gate, a business person when no one else was doing it. Where'd you get the idea to do that? I think a couple things. One is, and I think this is true for actors as well, but, you know, it used to be like, you're an actor. That's what you do. Right. You know, or you're a model. And if you try to do something else, you're a slash. Remember when it was like model slash actress or (laughs) singer slash model. And that second thing you tried to do, especially the more famous or successful you were for the one thing, the harder it was for you to add something else to your resume because it was like you had to do it at that exact same level, which is often impossible if you've been really successful. I think for me, like, I love modeling. And I think, God, am I that shallow that I just like getting my (laughs) hair and makeup done? But what I've come to realize about modeling, what I like, first of all, I love the people I work with. I love being around creative people. But there's a storytelling aspect to it. Like, we're telling stories through pictures. So it's different than the way that you tell stories. But I do like that. You know, when I first started modeling, you start out doing, like, crappy catalog in Chicago where I was, like, modeling belts or um, whatever. Then I ended up in New York, and I'm doing covers of Vogue, and then I'm in Paris, and you're working with Helmut Newton, and each time you're, like, growing, and that's interesting. At a certain point, though, it's like, okay, what's next? And little opportunities came my way, like, really the first one was MTV House of Style, where my agency was like, that's crazy, they're paying you nothing, why would you do that? And I just instinctively knew like that was the right thing for me. And it gave me an opportunity to do something different and to talk and to not take myself so seriously. Because sometimes when you're, you know, a two-dimensional representation of beauty in a magazine, it's very limiting in some ways. So like on MTV, I got to be funny or silly or serious or whatever. And then that was received well. So that gives you confidence. So then when I wanted to do an exercise video, you know, and I had the trainer and I was like, how do I share Radu with my sisters, with my girlfriends? And Jane Fonda before me had done those 
very successful videos, but they didn't really speak to my generation. Remember those, like, they were very, like, pink leotard and, like, N1. Right, N2, right. and I was like, the workouts I did were much grittier and harder and athletic. So we did a video, and then that did well. So then when you have a few successes, you get at least a confidence in expressing your ideas. And then sometimes people go, hmm, that's a terrible idea, but at least you feel confident enough to say it. And I think a lot of women, sometimes we we have to really nurture that side of ourselves because a lot of times we give our power to the man in the room and to learn to go, hey, I don't know if this is a good idea, but this just popped into my head. Like that takes some balls <laughs> and you have to develop that. Yeah, it's really good to take a moment and just let women know that even at this level, what you perceive to be a ton of success or you perceive to be a super confident person, I'm not that confident in this at all. I will be more confident the more I do it. Right. And I will get more confident with the other things I do. So you have to always go back and sort of temper whether you hear positivity or negativity. You have to try it anyway. Sometimes. And like I always say, fortunately, like my publicist and one of my agents, they've been in my life for like 25, 30 years. I'm very interested in what they have to say. I want their opinion. However, at the end of the day, I'm always like, I'm not an expert on one thing except for Cindy Crawford. I am the world's expert on Cindy Crawford. You know, so yes, I want to hear your honest opinions, but don't be upset if I don't follow it. Even with my husband, because I think sometimes when I'll ask his advice, I want to hear it, but it's one voice. It's not the strongest voice. Right. You know, especially if it comes to a work thing, if it's not like something we're trying to figure out together, but I'll be like, do you think I should do this or whatever? And then let's say if he says no, and I end up doing it anyway, he's like, oh, why are you doing it? And I'm like, well, <laughs> you said no, but three other people said yes. And I, in the end, I said yes. Right, right, right. That's funny. That's really good. It's true. It's like you can ask everybody's opinion, but you don't necessarily have to take everybody's opinion. So Cindy and I do Meaningful Beauty together. Yes. And we usually film commercials and things together and see each other and hang out. But because of COVID, we haven't been able to do that. So I actually haven't seen you, but I have seen that you've launched hair care. Can we talk about that? Because I love that. Yes. Well, we love having you as part of the Meaningful Beauty family. And, you know, Meaningful Beauty for me was all about sharing access to Dr. Sabah, really. You know, Dr. Sabah was this doctor I met in France when I was 28 years old, and he was like my skin guy. And when people would ask me, what do I do for my skin? You can't really say, well, go to Paris and try to get an appointment with this guy. Right. So I would always tease him, can't we just bottle this stuff? And eventually we did and it became Meaningful Beauty. So Meaningful Beauty has always been like my pursuit of all the things that happen as we age, right? And I don't like the word age-defying or anti-aging because it's not truthful, really. We're all aging. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, how do we do that in the best possible way, put our best possible face forward, and then get on with our day? That's the only reason beauty matters anyway, right? Right. I also think there's probably an extraordinary amount of pressure on you just because of what you did for a living. I'm sure you've never felt that. <laughs> I mean, definitely not at the level you have. You know, I was so hard on myself when I was young. Like, I definitely never thought that I was attractive. I mean, I thought it was okay, but the criticism, and this was pre-social media, the criticism that I would read or hear about in the beginning years of the show, I think it's typical of women, we only hear the bad things. Right? You can hear 99 great yeah. things, but the one that stabs you in the heart or that, you know, gets in your brain and you play it over in a loop is that one negative thing. And it's so unfortunate because I always say like, 
what if we treated ourselves the way we treat our girlfriends? Like we don't say to our girlfriend, oh, you're looking a little tired or what about that extra five pounds or whatever, you know, we're like, you look great. Oh my God, that color looks so good on you. And it's like, how do we shift that perspective to ourselves? And that's why little tools like skincare or hair care or body care or a workout sharing, hey, this works for me or this diet tip worked for me or this exercise worked for me, sharing that with other women. I really enjoy it. I have two sisters, so I've always been like surrounded by women. My mom has four sisters. My grandmother had seven sisters. So I've been in this like sisterhood and women supporting each other. So I love sharing. And that was kind of where Meaningful Beauty, and even before that, my exercise videos, it was like, oh, I can share my trainer because most people can't afford to go to a private trainer, but here's what I learned and you can have it on a video. So recently, you know, Meaningful Beauty started, I was 35. I had certain skincare needs as I've evolved (laughs) and aged. I want to add retinol, for instance, because let's like, okay, wrinkles are a real thing now. And then the most recently, a couple years ago, and really after I had kids, and I don't know if this happened to you, after I had my first kid, my hair changed a lot. And I lost hair in the front. I knew my hair was going to turn gray, but I didn't really know that it was going to change in all these other ways. And about three or four years ago, I was talking to our research and development team at Meaningful Beauty. And I was like, this idea of how we address aging skin, can it translate to hair? and really help women with that. And where we ended up was with Meaningful Beauty age-proof hair care system, but it's really understanding that the scalp is the starting point for healthy hair, like treating the scalp. And I hate telling women, like, okay, now you have to use one more product because we're already so inundated with products. But it made sense to me, like, okay, you know, our scalp is skin, and we use skincare. Why wouldn't we use scalp care? It's so smart, and it's literally something you don't think about until it happens. And that's why I think you're so smart and your business works so well is because you're really creating products out of necessity. Yeah, things that I want. And and that's why I always laugh when people are like, no, seriously, what skincare do you use? I'm like, no, I really use Meaningful Beauty. That's why I created it. So I have something that I want to use and that I know is efficacious and that I like. And and with the hair care, it was something, you know, so many products were treating the last little dead ends of our hair just to try to smooth them down. And I'm all for that. But that hair is already dead. Like we got to get it while it's coming in. So the shampoo, the hair care system is addressing your scalp. Yes. We have a shampoo that's like a strengthening shampoo. So it has certain ingredients that really help like the resiliency of the hair. And then the conditioner is about shine and manageability. But our like hero product, just like the hero product in the skincare is the melon serum, right? Because it has the melon peptides. The scalp treatment, which you put on after you towel dry your hair, you spray it on your scalp. I spray it especially like where I notice my hair is thin and it's not sticky. It doesn't weigh your hair down. If anything, it actually gives you a little volume because I'm a woman and I want to use it. I'm not going to put something greasy in my hair right before I blow dry it, you know? I'm also not only the developer, but I'm also like the guinea pig. Like if I don't want to use it, why would any other woman? Amazing. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You know, at this stage of the game, when you've had a certain level of success, I know for me anyway, to be involved in things, to develop products, to start businesses to do new products for businesses that already exist. Mm -hmm. You really have to care about it. You really have to like it. You really have to have a passion that drives you to do it. So I think that you always get the best results from that when it comes out of necessity. Yeah, and I think that you've been so blessed, for sure, you know, with the success of Grey's Anatomy and being able to not only create that character, but also use that platform to champion so many things that I know that are passionate for you. And yes, now anything else that you add to that, you have more reasons to say no, right? So it even has to fit who you are today even more than something you would have done 20 years ago. It's really true. And I think that you have a platform and you're like, okay, what am I going to do with it now? And as you get older, it's really about doing stuff that matters, right? And how can I make a difference? Okay, yeah, I could do this, but like, it's going to feel gross. Like it really has to be something that you feel like you're using your platform for good to have a meaningful life. And you giving women the opportunity to have access to products that make them feel better. We talk about this all the time in the commercial, but at this stage of the game, I personally want two things. I want to like who I spend my time with. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy who I spend my time with and get to work with. I'm blessed that I get to choose who I want to spend my time with. And I want the stuff that I do to be meaningful and to matter. That being said, I still find even with so many people in entertainment, having businesses, getting into businesses. I'm still shocked at how much negativity there is surrounding women who want to start businesses. Mm. So what about Kaya now? Because I feel like, thank God, this younger generation, and my daughter's much younger than Kaya, but they're so much smarter. (laughs) I feel like, and so just speaking for me, my daughter's so much more confident than I was. And she did American Horror Story, yes. which I thought is fantastic. And yeah. like she's has a huge modeling career, yet is branching out so early. And I thought, like, good for her. Literally could just model, doesn't have to do anything else, but making a choice to like stretch herself and take a chance. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm proud of her because I guess in that way, she is more confident than I was at that age because there were certainly things, like even in high school, like even if I sort of wanted to go out for the school play, none of my friends were, and I didn't know if I'd be good at it, so I didn't do it. Whereas she did, like she did all that in elementary school and middle school and high school. 
And then when the pandemic happened and she wasn't traveling and wasn't modeling because there was no shoots anywhere, she started auditioning and taking online acting class, which she had taken some acting stuff before. And then she ended up getting something. And it is scary because she's already known. So as much as your fans are excited you're doing it, but now you've got a lot more eyes on you than you normally would have in your very first acting thing. So you're going to get, you know, positive and negative. And it's really hard. And I remember actually someone that I was close to a long time ago who was an actor said, look, if you're going to let the good stuff make you feel good, like when people write nice things about you, if you're going to let that fill you up, that means the bad stuff is also going to affect you. So you kind of have to put like a bubble around yourself. Like all of that is not real. That's other people's perception. Like, how did I feel good? Did I feel like I gave my best or did my best? I mean, it's hard to do. Even as a 55-year-old woman, people will write snarky stuff on my Instagram. And, I, and you know, my first temptation is like, I'm going to type them back something. And I'm like, what am I doing? This is what I tell my kids not to do, you know? Yeah, that is the key to life is trying to maintain a level, not too high and not mm -hmm. too low, right? I always say to my kids, like, don't get too excited because manage your expectations yes. is like my favorite phrase ever, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get too excited and don't get too depressed. Just try to keep a sort of even keel thing about everything. Right. But social media makes that almost impossible because it's such an instant highs and lows. Oh, and it affects them, like, I think, like the dopamine or something in their brain in the way like a chemical would. I think it's challenging for us as parents to these kids, right? Because we didn't grow up with any of that. So there's definitely things, like, I don't feel the way that I was in high school was that different from the way my mom was in high school. Mm -hmm. And my mother was a very young mother. You know, like, it wasn't like cell phones and social media and internet, all this stuff that happened between me being in high school and my kids being in high school. And sometimes I don't know the answer. Like, I literally don't know how to help them or advise them. Even the way they communicate with each other, like, is that a thing that you break up with someone via text? Or like my kids would say something like, oh, I, they're a friend of mine. And I started to ask this question, have you been in the same room as them? Because <laughs> they sometimes think a friend is someone they just met, you know, online. And to me, I don't think that's a friend, but maybe I'm just sounding like, you know, like my grandmother at this right. point. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel the same way. Like taking it back to beauty, everybody wants to look their best. Everybody wants to feel great. Everybody's doing skincare. But then there's also, and this is where I'm going to sound like, you know, my grandmother, everybody's doing procedures to themselves. I recently went somewhere and I was sitting at a table at dinner with a few women who are much younger than me. And every single one of them was talking about surgical procedures they want to get done. Well, it's become so normalized. And I was like, wait, what? First of all, you're gorgeous, you're gorgeous, right. and you're gorgeous. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And it's so crazy to me how everybody is just so quick to like go under the knife to change your appearance. But yet on social media, everyone's so into like being authentic, saying how you feel. We're not going to accept this. Like there's just so much contradiction. But then they're filtered and... Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like I'm really trying to make Confused. sense of the contradictory nature of what they're saying and what's actually happening. Celebrate yourself. Do this. Do that. Okay, celebrate yourself by getting lip injections when you actually are gorgeous. And then there's that, well, if it makes you feel good about yourself, you should do it. Yes, all that. If it makes you feel good about yourself, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Do it. 
but don't not take surgical procedures seriously. Here's like the Meredith Grey coming in after like 18 seasons. Okay, doctor, I want to know the risks right now. Like anytime anything goes in your body or you go under the knife, you go under anesthesia, shit can happen. Mm -hmm. I think what I've really noticed, and this is what I think my kids have shared with me, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you were really just compared to all the other kids in your high school and maybe the, the neighboring town. Now these kids compare themselves to the one kid who made a million dollars on TikTok when they were 15 years old or the one kid that's doing these extraordinary things, right? It's like the pool of kids that they relate themselves to is just the whole planet now. So that's I think, puts a lot of pressure on them. And there's so much good conversation around mental health right now, like, you know, that our athletes are talking about it and everyone's talking about it. And I think that's great because I know that was not a topic of conversation that anyone ever had with me ever. And I remember the first time I heard what a therapist was and I wanted one, like when I was 16, because to me, that seemed like what a luxury to have someone to talk to about your feelings. Like that just (laughs) seemed... And also, like, you know, I grew up in a very blue-collar family, and that just wasn't— it was like I didn't have ballet lessons, and I didn't have a therapist. I don't even know if there was one in the town that I grew up in. But my homeopath that I work with here, and I'm really into homeopathy and all this alternative healthcare stuff, but he always asks a question. He'll say, okay, on a scale from 1 to 10, rate your happiness. And I think it's such an interesting question because— I'm always like, but Jim, like my goal in life is not just to be happy. My goal in life is to be present and not every moment is happy. So like it would be weird if something sad happened and I was just happy. Like I want to meet the moment where it is with the appropriate emotions. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about life is is all of it. It's not just those perfect days with the sunshine on your face and, you know, your kids are running in the sand and everything's perfect. It's, you know, rolling up your sleeves sometimes and dealing with difficult stuff. It's times with your partner, whatever. And so I like refuse to answer that question because I'm like, happiness isn't my goal. Yes. Do I want to be happy more than unhappy? Yeah. But even 51% is good. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yeah, I just saw something on social media with respect to children and I can't remember exactly what it said now, but it was that same theory, which is if someone said to their kid, like, I can't make you happy. Mm-hmm. I can't make you happy. And your goal shouldn't be to try to make your kids happy all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I do that. I try to make them happy all the time. And when they're not happy, I'm like, why aren't you happy? But the goal shouldn't be to try to make them happy all the time. It's I think our goal is to show them how to handle what life throws at them. Mm -hmm. And I think that certainly me and most of my friends, if I was to become a parent now, knowing what I know, 
I would do less of that, trying to make my child happy because I think they're uncomfortable being uncomfortable. Like I knew how to be uncomfortable as a kid. Like I remember sitting through like really long, boring sermons at church. And, you know, if we moved a muscle, like getting the evil eye from my dad or whatever, or if we didn't like dinner, too bad. That's what's for dinner. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh, I'll make you this, or do you want this, or do you want that, you know? I think that we've gotten into this thing, and and Randy and I talk about this a lot, because he's way more like this than me, where we don't want to show our kids our unhappiness or our anger or our getting in an argument with our partner, right? We think, oh, we can't show our kids that. But if you think about it, it's so screwed up because we're not teaching them that that's A, normal, right, and then B, how to repair it. And so then eventually they grow up and they start having their own relationships. And if you have a kid that's like, well, my parents never fought, so I had one fight, therefore this is a bad relationship. No, that's not true. It's just like we have to go in front of them and be like, look, see what I'm like when I'm vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable or see what I'm like when I'm insecure, you know, and talk to our kids about that. Like if we don't, who's going to? And also that you can come out of it. Like, yes, you can feel like the world is ending one minute. Yeah. And then two hours later, you're going to be fine. You're eating a slice of pizza and you're fine. So the lesson in that is a really, really strong one, I feel like, because to know that just because you're sad right now doesn't mean it's going to last, whether it's a breakup or something terrible. I remember when I was a teenager, I don't know about you, but, you know, a boy breaks your heart. It's literally the worst thing Mm -hmm. in the world that can happen. Mm -hmm. And you think back on that now and you're like, oh my God, how ridiculous was that? Right. But you just have to know that even the most devastating things, that feeling doesn't last. But I think what you said is really important. It's like the way you frame it. It's not like I'm depressed. It's like I'm feeling depressed right now. Right. Yes. And we had a learning experience for me. We had a very close friend who passed away when my kids were probably like five and seven, and they were really close to him. And I was like, oh my gosh, how do I tell them? He was in a car accident. And I called a family therapist and I asked her like, how do I tell my children this? And she said, you say, I have some very sad news for you. So you're already telling them how to feel. Because sometimes like kids, if they haven't experienced that emotion, they might laugh. They don't know. It's like weird, right? So you're saying, I have sad news from you. So you're leading them into, okay, this is sad and this is an appropriate time to be sad. And then she said to say, our dear friend died in a car accident. And you don't use passed away. You don't use, it's no longer with it. You say died, like you have to say the word. Mm -hmm. And then you say, if you want to talk about it or have any more questions, let me know. Let them sit with that. She's like, they might go play video game or might pretend like they didn't hear you. And then they might come back to you. You know, it's kind of like when you teach your kids about sex. I don't know how far you've gotten with that yet. But it's like you answer their question, but no more because they're not ready for it yet. Whatever they're asking you about, you want to answer that imprecisely and in the right language. But then you don't need to go off on like, Well, and sometimes blah, 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 blah. And that kind of happened with Kaya because Presley had learned about sex before Kaya. And she was like, well, I want to learn. I want to learn. And I was like, really? Okay. Blah. And she's like, it was like too much information because she was too young to hear. And I mean, I really did it like just the very basic, but it was still more than she was ready to hear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that that idea, though, that we really listen to the question and answer that has served me well. Yeah, yeah. That's good advice, too. And then now they see so much on TV. It's That's the other thing is like, I spend so much time worrying about what these kids see on social media. So we're trying to navigate how do we have to adapt as parents? But also so many of my daughter's friends watch Grey's Anatomy. And I'm like, 
you can't watch it. And she's going to be 12. Mm -hmm. You know, not to be judgy, but like your friends' parents are letting them watch Grey's. Like, there's so much sex in Grey's. You're 12. It doesn't matter that you know about sex. Like, you still can't watch. And I'm lucky Stella's like, Mom, I can't. I don't want to see all that stuff. Well, she for sure doesn't want to see you having sex. No, for sure. That goes without saying. And it's network TV. It's not even like a cable show, right? But man, it's hard out there trying to navigate all this but stuff. But I do think those TV shows, they do present an opportunity if you take the time, like especially as they do start watching a little bit more risque stuff. Is I think the difference is like when we were kids, we all watched TV as a family. Right. But now they could be in their room watching on their computer or their tablet and you're watching something else. It used to be something that brought families together. And now I find it very isolating. Yeah. Like even for Randy and I to find a show that we both like, because... I'm sorry, I can't watch like Narcos before bed. Like I will have nightmares. Right, right. I want something like a little lighter, a little warmer and fuzzier. But with, especially with Kaya, when I know she's interested in a show, I'll try to watch it with her. And then it gives an, I mean, she's 20 now, so whatever. She could probably teach me a thing or two. I don't know. But (laughs) um, certainly in the way that they accept, they have a lot less limitations on them and the way they think, which I think is really exciting. So she's really opened up my eyes in that way. But, you know, a couple of years ago, we would watch shows together that I knew that she felt represented, you know, what her generation was about. And after it would give us an opportunity to talk about it. So I think like when Stella starts getting there, then you say, well, let's watch it together and then let's talk about it afterwards, you know, and make it that because they are going to be exposed to that stuff, whether you want them to or not. And actually, that's why I had Randy do the sex talk with Presley, because I was like, I had heard from our nanny, actually, had gone to the movie with Presley and one of his friends. And it was like Transformers or something, but there was some sexual innuendo joke. And my nanny said, oh, the other boy that was with Presley leaned over at Presley and kind of like, you know, and she goes, I could tell Presley didn't get it, but this other boy had an older brother. So he did get it. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, wow, I want Presley to hear about sex from his dad first, not the playground, not the internet. So actually I was working and I texted Randy and I was like, I think you need to have a sex talk with Presley. And I thought we would talk about it and talk about how much he would cover and whatever. But of (laughs) course, Randy was like, oh, okay, like that's on my list. Let me do it. And took Presley out that night and had the talk with Presley. But it was great because it actually was like a little before Presley actually really needed the sex talk. So again, he just, Randy just listened to the questions he asked and answered those And I think it empowered Presley. Like, he had real information, not like that half information that you get from another kid on the playground. There's so much conflicting stuff out there. I find that the way media has evolved has created a lot of space for people to talk about things like mental health and all of that. Mm -hmm. But there's also so much conflict. I mean, there is a lot that kids have to navigate these days, and we have to navigate it, too, to sort of keep up. Exactly. That's the whole thing. You know, I think my kids were on social media before I was. And, you know, even in funny ways, like, Kaya would be like, Mom, you can't use that many hashtags, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and, I, and I listen to her because she knows more about it than I do. It's true, even my 12-year-old. But it's so great that we have kids because even if we're not cool, I feel like I know what's cool. I know what the kids think is cool. And isn't it the best when you do something or something happens and they think you're cool? Like when you're cool through your kid's eyes, even if it's just for some random small thing, like I think we were at a restaurant once and someone that they admire will come over and say hi to me. And they're like, how do you know so-and-so? And And I'm like, yeah, see, I'm cool. Right, exactly. (laughs) 
So speaking of the kids, I'm going to go pick up Stella from school. I know. You got to do the school run. It was so fun to see you. You too. Tequila next time. Perfect. That can get dangerous in a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're very smart women. We weren't drinking tequila no. with microphones. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cindy. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Bye. 